0: It took about a week of free agency being open, but the Orioles are finally involved in their first free agency rumor. And it has to do with targeting some of the best free agent starting pitchers on the market. We'll talk about that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, November 17th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to do a little Orioles news and notes pod here on a Thursday. We'll talk about some rumors surrounding the Orioles connected to some of the biggest starting pitching names on the free agent market. We'll talk about how they look at potentially adding a left-handed power bat with Jock Peterson, really probably their top choice, now back in San Francisco. And then we'll take a look ahead to next year's, Rule 5 draft protection deadline, as the O's protected five players for this year's deadline on Tuesday. But how about an early look at the players who will be available and who need to be protected this time next year, and what the likelihood of that group looking like at that time. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. If you could leave a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to this pod, that would really help out a lot. And of course, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe right here on the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel really helps out the pod. We continue five days a week throughout the offseason here into December covering all of the Orioles hot stove news. And hey, if you like the pod, tell your fellow Orioles fans, your co-workers, your friends, your family about this podcast covering the Orioles five days a week throughout the offseason as well. So hopefully the O's start to spend some money coming up here pretty soon. And that's what we wanted to start with here on today's episode because I talked about this last week on the pod, you know, when free agency was set to open back on Thursday evening, and we haven't seen really the huge splash deals across baseball at all, but I just talked about how, you know, even if the Orioles don't make a deal in the first few days of free agency, the thing I wanted at the very least was the O's to be involved, at least in some rumors, have their name come up somewhere that shows, hey, they are, you know, attached to some of these big name players that are definitely going to help them take the next step in 2023 and beyond. And on Wednesday, we actually kind of got the first taste of that. Now, it kind of started on Tuesday when Mike Elias went on High Heat, the show on MOP Network, and said that the Orioles were working the phones and that that there were a lot of players out there who they were interested in, especially the veteran guys. And you like to hear that, that the Orioles are all over it. And then on Wednesday... In Jim Bowden's column on the athletic course, Jim, who was working in baseball front offices, now a writer covering baseball, you know, my favorite writer covering baseball nationally, but he did his kind of mailbag Q&A column on Wednesday and got a question about the Orioles. And this was Jim's quote, the Orioles are swimming in the deep end and touching base with the agents for almost all of the free agent pitchers. That is what you like to hear because we know the Orioles need to add at least one of these free agent pitchers this offseason, and it's good to hear that they're touching base with everybody's agent so far here, about a week into free agency. And when you look at who's available, I mean, that shows a wide array of pitchers. And for the top names who are still out there, I kind of put them into four tiers now. I would have included both Tyler Anderson, well, really three guys, Tyler Anderson, Clayton Kershaw, and Martin Perez, all in this group as well. But those are the first three starting pitchers that are off the market. Tyler Anderson signed a three-year, $39 million deal with the Los Angeles Angels. Of course, he kind of had a resurgent year with the Dodgers this year and cashed that in for a three-year deal. Martin Perez accepted the $19 million qualifying offer with the Texas Rangers to head back with them in 2023. And then of course, Clayton Kershaw signed a one-year, $20 million deal to stick with the Dodgers for at least one more season. But among the bigger name pitchers who are left, I've put them into four tiers. The top, top tier, I don't see the Orioles getting these guys. Not that they wouldn't try and offer these guys some contracts, but these are legitimate Cy Young contenders. And one of them, Justin Verlander, was literally named the AL Cy Young winner on Wednesday night. Verlander and Jacob deGrom are the two guys I put in this top tier. They're going to get probably you know at least 30 and, and most likely pushing $40 million per year. I think the Orioles are just going to be outbid by teams like the Mets and the Yankees on these guys, but they should be making those calls to those two pitchers. But we get to Tier 2, here's kind of the guys I would really like the Orioles to go after. Maybe not a legitimate all-star every year ace, but a great pitcher. I put Carlos Rodon and Chris Bassett in this category. Now, Rodon is definitely... Hands down, a better pitcher than Bassett is and would be a better option for the Orioles. But I think Bassett, at his best, can kind of get near what Carlos Rodon is. Those two guys will be more of the twenty million to $30 million a year range. And I think the Orioles should spend that to get one of those two guys. Then kind of tier three, who is out there, is guys who have some question marks about them for different reasons. But at their peak can be close to aces. I would say Kodai Senga, who was an absolute ace over in Japan for the last decade or so. He is coming over to the U.S. next season. The question mark is basically, will his game on the mound translate to Major League Baseball? And then I'd say Jamison Tyone, who was an ace at one time you know, a couple years ago with the Pittsburgh Pirates, kind of got back finally fully healthy this year with the Yankees and showed some real flashes. I think he can get even closer back to what he was with Pittsburgh and you know, be close to an ace. And then I put tier four guys that I don't think will ever be aces for any team, but will definitely help you pitch in every five days in your rotation, get to the playoffs. That's Nathan Uvaldi, who you know actually turned down the qualifying offer from the Red Sox, but is still negotiating with them. They're trying to get him back on a multi-year deal. That's Andrew Haney, who kind of had a bit of a resurgent season with the Dodgers on a one-year deal this year, but continued to have his injury issues. There's Taiwan Walker, who didn't do anything amazing this year with the Mets, but just pitched a good amount of innings. He stayed out there and helped the Mets win a lot of games. And then there's Jose Quintana, who was an ace in the past with the White Sox and the Cubs, looked like his career was kind of cooked, and then just turned things around with the Pirates this year, was then dealt to the Cardinals at the deadline and helped them win their division and get into the postseason. And I think all would be good additions to kind of the three or four spot in the Orioles rotation. But, hey, Jim Bowden is saying the Orioles are are picking up the phones. Mike Elias says they're working the phones. Hopefully they've reached out to all of those guys. You know, I named 10 starting pitchers right there. It's my expectation and hope that the Orioles have called the agents of all 10 of those guys and are starting to see what that market for those guys is looking like. But even if the Orioles do sign a good starting pitcher to help this rotation, they should not be done after that in free agency. I think something they're going to look for as well is maybe a left-handed bat to add to this lineup, because lefties are going to play better at Camden Yards now, especially with the wall in left move back. And the Orioles, I think, could use a power bat from that side of the plate. So coming up next, we'll take a look at who the left-handed bats left out there are, because I felt like Jock Peterson was the number one option for the Orioles, but he is no longer an available free agent. So we'll look at who comes in behind Peterson among those left-handed hitters. But first, today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. And if you thought about securing your home with home security but have been putting it off, you want to listen up. Right now, Locked On Orioles listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year and you won't want to miss it. And here is why we love it over here at the locked on network. Simply Safe it was named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report. That's the third year in a row. And here's the big thing. In an emergency, 24/7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. And that 24/7 professional monitoring service, it costs less than a dollar a day. It's less than half the price of ADT's traditional, professionally installed system. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system we recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafecom MLB. This is their biggest discount of the year. So don't wait. That's simplysafe.com/lockedonmlb. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So it looks like, at least according to Jim Bowden and a little bit according to Mike Elias as well this week, the Orioles are dipping into the starting pitching market. But another spot I think they should look into in free agency this offseason is a left-handed bat because it just felt like with the power down for Cedric Mullins going from 30 homers in 2021 to just 16 home runs this year, the Orioles were kind of missing a left-handed power bat. And yeah, Rumetto Odor gave them a spark at times, but uh, I certainly don't think he'll be back in an Orioles uniform next season because uh, most of the time he was not hitting those big home runs. So the question is, you know, who they can bring in who can fit that mold because they're going to be looking for a big left-handed slugger that's going to play better at the new Camden Yards with the wall move back in left field. And I really thought Jock Peterson was going to be just a perfect free agent for the Orioles. Coming off you know a season with about a 140 WRC+, plus, had just a fantastic year. It was an otherwise kind of down year for the Giants, but Peterson was maybe their most consistent hitter all year, hit for average, hit for power. But kind of surprisingly, Peterson accepted the qualifying offer from the Giants. So instead of going out into the free agent market and looking for a multi year deal, he takes the one year, $19 million qualifying offer to go back to San Francisco for the 2023 season. So with Peterson off the board, I thought among left handed bats, he was the number one option for the Orioles. So just wanted to kind of look at all these other left handed bats. Now, some of these guys are power hitters and some of them are not, but this is just the kind of group of major league level. Left-handed bats who can come in and still help your lineup at this point in their career heading into the 2023 season. So I would probably say there's maybe six guys who you would sign and, and and be plugged in right into your starting lineup. I'd put Michael Brantley in that category, although he missed a lot of time with injury this year with the Astros. Still a great hitter. I'd put Andrew Benintendi in that category. He's a free agent, had some great years in Boston. I would put David Peralta in that category. Had a great year with Arizona. Wasn't as good when he got traded to the Rays, but still a good left-handed hitting outfielder. Obviously, Brandon Nimmo is in that category. Had an amazing year for the Mets. And then there's a couple more guys you could argue are in that category. Maybe Brandon Belt, who's getting up there a little bit, although has had a great career with the Giants. He's a free agent. Joey Gallo is out there if you think he can turn it around after a disastrous year with the Yankees. You know, he got a little better after they traded him to the Dodgers, but the Dodgers didn't even use him in the playoffs, so it kind of shows what they really thought of him. And then, you know, you could throw Adam Frazier in there. You know, maybe he still got something in that bat. His offense was down this year, but he still did start pretty much every playoff game for the Mariners. So, you know, that was a, a pretty good team, and it tells you something. And then you have a group of, of guys who, who could be good. You know, could catch fire. I'd put Matt Carpenter in that group. You know, went through a big swing change. Had an amazing, you know, two months with the Yankees. Then went down with injury. And we just kind of don't know what he's going to be. Corey Dickerson, who's had success in the past. He definitely had some hot streaks this year with the Cardinals. Also had some ice cold streaks this year with St. Louis. And his power wasn't there as much at times. And then I would say you have the rest of the group that... group of left-handed hitters that can help you but maybe I wouldn't be keying in on early in free agency. Guys like Kevin Kiermaier, Cole Calhoun, Ben Gamble, Jace Peterson, and Tyler Naquin, I think kind of, you know, are all definitely still major league caliber players and hitters from the left side, but not the first guys I would go to in terms of left-handed hitters. But that's kind of what's out there. I, I, was, I was disappointed that, that Jock Peterson took the qualifying offer. I mean, good for the Giants for getting him back for another year. Honestly, if I'm the Orioles, you know, if the Giants don't lock him up long term and, and, you know, the qualifying offer is just one year and he becomes a free agent again this time next year, I'd still be going after him unless he completely tanks at the plate next season in San Francisco. I'd go after Peterson again. I think that's kind of a perfect fit for this ballpark. But if I could take anyone from that next group after. Him, I would probably give a slight edge to Michael Brantley over Brandon Nimmo. The two of them would be 1 2. Brantley's just such a great hitter, has a better track record than Nimmo at the plate, but Nimmo, a really good on base guy as well. After those guys, I'd probably rank uh, maybe Ben next, and then Matt Carpenter because of the upside we've seen. And then, you know, guys I would take a chance on would maybe be like David Peralta, Adam Frazier, and, and Joey Gallo as well. But you know, maybe the O's will just go with right-handed bats. I know a lot of people are worried, you know, oh, will right-handers even sign with the Orioles with the wall move back? Yes, they will. If you pay them the amount of money they're worth, they will sign there even with the wall. Because again, you only play 81 or 162 games there at Camden Yards. You still play a lot of other parks which are very friendly to right-handed hitters, especially in the ALE specifically. So they're still going to get the guys if they pay them the money that they're worth. But... We do have a lot of different moving parts going on in the offseason at this point. you got free agency open. Hopefully, the Orioles will start making some moves here soon. And then, of course, you have the 40-man roster protections, which all came out on Tuesday. Of course, the Orioles added five prospects to their 40-man roster to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. Make sure to go back and listen to Wednesday's episode to uh, take a listen on how the five players got added and how they could contribute to the Orioles in 2023. But it's never too early to take a look at next year's Rule 5 draft protection deadline, about a year from now, November of 2023, and wanted to take a look at which players will be eligible then and who we could be looking at added to the 40-man roster this time next year. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From the NFL on Sundays, college football on Saturdays, college football's got just two weeks left. Then you got basketball. College basketball started last week. Thanksgiving week is coming up, which is one of the best weeks of the year for college basketball. Tournaments going on all week. Get all the lines and odds at Bet Online. Of course, the NBA as well, the NHL. And then we got some big soccer coming up because... We are just a few days away from the start of the 2022 World Cup. You can get the lines on every match at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, which I hope you at least love this one, you can find podcasts like this over at BetOnline as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. So we saw the Orioles add five players to the 40-man roster, On Tuesday, five of their brightest prospects who were all eligible to be taken in the Rule 5 draft this year. So to protect them from said Rule 5 draft, the Orioles added Grayson Rodriguez, Seth Johnson, Joey Ortiz, Noah DeNoyer, and Drew Rahm to the 40-man roster. The 40-man now sits at 39 players with one spot open. But since we just had that deadline pass, what did they actually look ahead to this time next year, November of 2023, and take a quick peek at which prospects at that point, will be eligible for the Rule 5 draft of which guys the Orioles will be considering adding to their 40-man roster at that time. And we hope the O's are in a different position this year or next year than they are this year as instead of the you know, surprise team that's looking to make the playoffs. Hopefully they're coming off a postseason trip and you know the 40-man roster is looking better and better every year. But let's just assume that these guys I'm talking about don't get to the big leagues this year. And, and some of them could which would obviously make this point null and void because they'd already be on the 40-man if they got to the bigs. But I'd say there's two stone-cold locks among this group. If these guys are still in the Orioles system and have not gotten to the big leagues at this point next year, these are the two locks to be added to the 40-man roster. That's Jordan Westberg, and that is Heston Kerstad. Now, the group of guys who will be eligible for the Rule 5 draft next year would be college draftees from the 2020 draft, also the undrafted free agents out of college that year, and then high school draft picks from the 2019 draft. And then you'll have anybody signed in the international class of 2018, which, of course, was still the Dan Duquette era, so basically almost no one in the Orioles system that they originally signed would kind of be on that list. And there'd be some guys who uh, you know they traded for that would be, but not any super Notable names. But again, I think we all expect Jordan Westberg to either make it to the big leagues with the Orioles this season or be traded for a major league starting pitcher by the time we get to this point next year. So I don't think they'll be adding Jordan Westberg to the 40 man roster this time next year because he'll either already be on it or he'll be in another organization. The only thing that would make this relevant is if he got a long term injury sometime next year, missed a lot of time, and never got to the big leagues. But the other guy is Heston Kerstad. And I don't think Kirstad will get to the big leagues next year. I mean, he still hasn't played a game at AA. Now, congrats to Kirstad won the Arizona Fall League MVP this fall. I think with that, he's probably going to start the year in 2023 at AA Bowie, but the Orioles are going to give him a lot of A plate appearances in Bowie. I'm hoping he gets to AAA at some point late in the 2023 season, but I don't think we see him in the big leagues this year. But certainly, you know, their number two overall pick, 2020, finally looks healthy. He's certainly going to be added to the 40-man. And we're looking at hopefully big leagues for Heston Kerstad in 2024. Then there's a group of, I'd say, three players after that who I would call the guys who have a good chance. I wouldn't call them locks by any stretch, but I would say these guys have a good to solid chance of being added to the 40 man this time next offseason. And again, this has a lot to do with how they play on the field in 2023 and how that kind of changes their prospect status. But I've got three guys here, two of them who are ranked in the Orioles top 30 on MLB.com. One is Daryl Hernandez, who, you know, put together a, a good season. You know, we should see him continue at AA buoy in the 2023 season. And then hopefully, hopefully, he can get to AAA Norfolk next year. I think that's maybe a little bit of a stretch. I think even with a good AA season, and if he continues to rise on the Orioles prospect board like he does, and he's still in the organization, I think he is a guy who could certainly be added to the 40-man roster. Next guy, I would say, is Hudson Haskin. Now, Haskins has gone through some injury issues, he's had some ups and downs, but his peaks have been really high. I mean, he had a 3-homer game last year and you know the swing which is still a little odd, but it certainly works for him. I think the Orioles like Haskins' game, that is why they, you know, took him as early as they did in the second round of the draft in 2020 out of Tulane despite him being a, a much younger college draftee prospect. And, you know, he was in A Bowie this year, and, you know, I certainly think we'll see him start to shine in AAA Norfolk in 2023. I don't think he'll be knocking on the big league door next season at any point, but I think if he has a good enough year, the Orioles are going to definitely be looking at adding him to the 40-man roster. And then the last guy would be Ryan Watson, who I think does have a chance... To get to the big leagues next season. Now Watson, who was of course named the Orioles' 2022 Minor League Pitcher of the Year after he threw 95 innings to a 3.41 ERA in Double A Bowie, and then got up to Norfolk at the end of the year and and threw 12 solid innings there as well to a 3.65 ERA. You know Watson, who was an undrafted free agent signing after the 2020 draft, that shortened five round draft, and you know he came in to this Oreo system, actually turned 25 earlier this week, a right-hander with really good stuff. He worked as a starter in Bowie, but then only worked as a reliever in Norfolk when he went up to AAA. It'll be interesting to see, you know, he's going to start the year with the Norfolk Tides in 2023. It'll be interesting to see if they put him in the rotation or put him back in the bullpen as kind of a follower piggyback guy or as a legitimate one to two inning reliever. I'll be really interested to see how that plays out. But especially if he goes to the bullpen and that stuff plays up even more, there's a great chance Watson gets to the big leagues next year. But if he does not, I think he's almost a lock. Not quite a lock, but almost a lock to be added to the 40-man roster. That's why I kind of put him in the second tier. And then I'd say there's probably six more guys who you can throw into this category of, yeah, maybe they could be added. Anthony Servideo, who was a 2020 draft pick, but has just had so many injury issues with the Orioles. He's finally healthy. So if he puts together a great season in the minors and gets to double a buoy and, and is really setting the world on fire, I could see him being added. Brandon Young was another one of these 2020 guys who you know, was an undrafted free agent signing. And was looking good early this year, then got injured, missed the rest of the season. If he comes back and looks good at AA Bowie and maybe in Norfolk in 2023, he could certainly be added. He has some some great stuff from the right side. Garrett Stallings was not added this year, was actually eligible. But if the Orioles keep him and he gets to AAA Norfolk and sh- shows success, I could definitely see them uh, protecting him next year. Kyle Brenovich, same thing. You know, he was injured this year. They did not protect him even though he was eligible. But if he gets healthy and pitches well in Norfolk, I don't know if he'll get to the big leagues. But if he pitches well in Norfolk, he's certainly going to be added. Then you have Easton Lucas, you know, the other guy again. If the Orioles can hold on to him, he was eligible this year. But if he pitches well with the tides, either as a starter or as a reliever, I could see him being added. And then the last guy would be Antonio Velez. Antonio Velez. He's the left-handed pitcher who the Orioles acquired in that Cole Salcer and Tanner Scott trade with the Marlins earlier this year. He just kind of had a lost first season with the Orioles. Didn't have success and then got injured, missed a long amount of time. Ended the year actually in high A Aberdeen. But if he gets healthy and pulls it back together in Double A, and maybe we can see him sneak up to AAA by the end of next year, I think maybe Velez is a guy who could get at it. And then, of course... There's always going to be, you know, these reliever floaters who kind of come out of nowhere and are in AAA and are throwing dominant stuff. And the Orioles want to add them as well. But kind of that's your look ahead to what that Rule 5 protection deadline could look like this time next year. But that'll do it for today's episode. We thank you so much for listening in or tuning in. We've got one more episode this week coming up tomorrow as we continue to cover all things Orioles offseason here on the pod. And unless the O's make a big move, looks like tomorrow is going to be our first free agent Friday episode of the off season, where we take a look at a specific position around the diamond and some free agents that might really fit the Orioles this offseason. That's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On podcast network. Your team, every day.